It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Well, hello there and welcome back in to the latest edition of the Last Word on Sports Media Podcast. I am the somewhat capable host, TJ Reeves. I'm a little down in the mouth because I'm here in West Central Florida hosting the program. And I look, I, I, I am the first one to say that I'm compromised when it comes to my teams in the Tampa Bay area. And yes, we have the Tampa Bay Rays rolling early on in the Major League Baseball season out to a 20-3 and start going into Tuesday night's play. An incredible 14-0 and to start the season at home, which is a Major League Baseball record. Uh, it just It's been so much fun with a team that, look, no one expects ultimately will contend for the World Series. It would be stunning if they are still around and a serious contender in October with how low the payroll is and how fairly anonymous the lineup is, but it's a lot of fun to be with that. But equally, down in the mouth, over the Tampa Bay Lightning, now down as we release the podcast, three games to one to the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, and the Maple Leafs, who have not won a playoff series since the first George Bush administration, come into Tampa, where it's Champa Bay, where the Lightning have won two previous Stanley Cups and got to the final last year, three years in a row. Best of the best. And the Lightning can't protect home ice in either one of the games to at least get the series tied at two apiece, if not be up three games to one. Now it heads back to Toronto on Thursday and is, has the magic run out uh, for the Lightning we wonder. So anyway, I, I come to you just conflicted in my in my fandom. But, but and this will be a big topic right away on the podcast, NFL draft time, where everybody's optimistic. No matter if you are the Carolina Panthers that have the first pick, all the way through to the end with the Kansas City Chiefs as the defending champs have the last pick in the opening round on Thursday night of the draft, an event that has become so big over the last 10, 15 years that it's now a three-night-and-day event on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. But the optimism is everywhere. Hey, we're going to get help. We're going to get help out of the college ranks at all these different positions, quarterback, offensive line, a linebacker, wide receiver, pass rusher, kicker, whatever. We're going to get help in the NFL draft, and it all gets underway Thursday. To that end, momentarily, we will hear from the NFL Network and CBS outstanding broadcaster Charles Davis. He will be here on the program, not so much to break down who's going to go number one, even though it's likely Alabama's Bryce Young at quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. Not so much to tell you what a team really needs or what he thinks of you know, Jalen Carter, the defensive lineman, uh, of uh, the University of Georgia uh, versus Paris Johnson, the offensive lineman for the Ohio State Buckeyes, and and how good uh, is Bijan Robinson, the Texas running back, going to be in the NFL? Not so much the X's and O's, but Charles will be here to tell you about the coverage, what it is like to be on that coverage with Rich Eisen and Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Draft on the NFL Network. He and I will swap some stories, and Charles has now been with that coverage for over 15 years, so. I just I want to get some insight from him. And of course, it's on location. Speaking of Kansas City, they had already predetermined to have the draft in Kansas City. And now the Chiefs have won the Super Bowl back in February. 
and uh, have the Lombardi and have all this festive atmosphere, will they hang on to their pick at the end of night one of the draft or maybe get a great offer to trade out of that final spot? We'll wait and see what happens there. So Charles Davis straight ahead. Then let's talk some New York sports, and I will get the opportunity to talk with someone that I don't mind saying here on the last word on sports media that I've given some career advice to and uh, have, have enjoyed thoroughly and I'm very proud of the fact that Danielle McCartan has blossomed into the broadcaster she's become. She's now part of WFAN's weekend coverage. Danielle was on the air on Sunday while the New York Knicks were taking a commanding 3-1 to one lead in their best of seven on Cleveland. The Knicks have not had a two-game lead in any playoff series in over a decade. They don't know what to do with themselves. But Danielle was on the air for that. At the same time, the Islanders were playing Stanley Cup playoff hockey with Carolina in the afternoon on Sunday. At the same time that the Yankees, yes, those Yankees were playing the Minnesota Twins. Once all of those games were over, she was the automatic post-game show host, essentially, for all of those teams and the craziness in New York. And I know that some people wane on New York this, New York that you know, uh, New York fans and how great they are and all the New York teams and all the extra coverage that we get from all the major uh, sports outlets, whether it's ESPN or Fox or CBS. I've often joked that if they have 25 national television games in Major League Baseball, that 29 of them will be the New York Yankees. But, uh, hey, the Giants, the New York Giants made the football playoffs. And now, oh, yeah, the Jets have gotten that Aaron Rodgers guy. We'll talk with Danielle about all of this, about being on the air, the media coverage of it later on in the podcast. And we'll do some love it or leave it before we're gone. One more disclaimer before we get to Charles Davis in just a second. Thank you for finding us on the last word on sports media podcast feed. Not just this show that is usually out overnight Tuesday into Wednesday, where we bring you interviews and insight and some ratings and those kind of things but also for finding George Offman's Tell Me a Story I Don't Know podcast series. George in a best-of mode this week and next week for his seventh season. The best-of this week features the likes of Jason Benetti of Fox Sports, Greg Gumbel, obviously the legendary Emmy Award-winning NFL and college football broadcaster, uh, or, or college basketball, excuse me, broadcaster, college basketball studio host for the March Madness coverage on CBS. Cassidy Hubberth of ESPN and uh, many others in his seventh season. He'll be featuring those the next couple of weeks, so check out George's podcast because it usually has a Chicago lean to it. You'll hear some great comments and conversations from all kinds of different broadcasters, males, females, uh, mainly a, a television with a tie to Chicago, but a lot of times it's national broadcasters. He's had the likes of Bob Costas or uh, Kenny Albert or Kevin Harlan, on and on down the list, Michael Wilbon, et cetera. On that show, tell me a story I don't know. You find it right here on this podcast feed, and it's immediately preceding this podcast every week. Also, Mike Gill and Phil DeMont Mullen are here every week with the Announcer Schedules podcast, Who's Doing It Well on the National Level TV and Radio, Stanley Cup playoffs, NBA playoffs, NFL draft coverage coming up, uh, whatever the case is. Uh, they, they do a great job of breaking down all the announcers. Announcer Schedules podcast found here as well on the program, including them having some great guests as well on their show, including the likes of Sean McDonough of ESPN on with them recently. Also Mike Monaco of, uh, of ESPN and the national hockey league, Stanley cup playoff coverage. Sean McDonough, by the way, the lead voice now for the Stanley cup coverage on ESPN. Sean also known for his college football and college basketball work. Obviously was previously on CBS doing the world series as well as, um, 
different events like the Olympics, et cetera. So you'll hear Sean on this podcast feed. If you go back, if you scan back a few episodes, you'll hear that one-on-one conversation that he had with the guys on announcer schedules. But anyway, they do a great job. Check out Mike and Phil coming up on this podcast feed later on in the week. And again, find out more with lastwordonsports.com slash podcast about all the podcasts that are there, including off of this feed as well. Without further delay, let's get to guest number one. It's an NFL draft week. It is craziness. And let's get to more of that right now. As advertised, this is one of my faves going back. I don't say this lightly because this man, whenever I put the bat signal up or the text message out, he is all about it. Uh, including when I'm trying to get in touch with him inside the Orlando Amway Center because his Tennessee volunteers are beating the Duke Blue Devils and we're both there and I'm trying to find him. He is still reveling in that uh, for his big orange. Hello, Charles Davis of the NFL Network. Are you ready for that oblong ball, not the basketball, but the football draft that's coming up? How are things as we get ready for all of this uh, coming in Kansas City? How are you? I'm doing well. It's good to see you as always, TJ. Thank you very much for having me on. And, you know, we're not far from it. And that's a good thing at this stage. I think everybody, you know what it's like with all things, right? The run up to it, there, there's a lot of fun involved. There's a lot of work if you're preparing for it for work things, right? If you're involved mm-hmm. in some way or what have you, the anticipation. But at a certain point, let's let it come to fruition, and we are definitely at that point. Oh, my Lord, yes. Can we get to Thursday? And again, uh, Charles and I will cover this a couple of different ways where we are there for the duration on Thursday night, and it's exhilarating. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of uncertainty, but it's also long. It's not It's not digging a ditch, or like we like to say, it's oh. not working on a roof in the heat in Florida in the summertime, but it is work. It is a lot of work, and Charles is going to get into that with me. First of all, let me compliment you. You you are saying to me 17 years you've been doing this on the NFL Network. Congrats. In various capacities. uh, Congrats for that longevity. And so it segues into, does it just amaze you like it does me, how this thing has not only grown but mushroomed over the last two or three decades into the Goliath that it has become from interest to television to it being at a location where tens of thousands of people are wanting to be part of it on a location like Kansas City. How how much does that amaze you? It, it, it amazes me a great deal. And I think for, for you, for me, for anyone who's listening and watching us, I think if you followed it for a long time, an extended period of time, And if you are of my age, my vintage, I'm 58. So somewhere I'm right there with you. I'm 53. We're contemporaries. Yes. Somewhere in that neighborhood, right? We've seen the growth and the growth was incremental. And then whoosh is the Mm. way I see it. And I can go at it a few different ways. You know, we've all heard the story. Paul Tagliabue is the, I mean, uh, Pete Rosell is the commissioner. What? Okay, fine, fine, televised. No one's going to watch it. <laughs> right. That was the commissioner of the NFL. Mm-hmm. Then you take it and move it on, and obviously Radio City Music Hall became the spot because at first it was hotels, and it really weren't fans. It's more of the people, and you did it. I remember reading a book, Paper Lion, by George Plimpton. Yes. And he had, you know, worked out with them and did it for an article and became a book, et cetera, as a quarterback. Or number zero, which is now back in vogue in the NFL. But um, he talked about years later, they called him and said, hey, would you be our guy in New York for the draft? You know, the one who answers the phone. 
And that sounded like exhilarating to him, like fantastic. And he canceled theater, date, dinner, and wanted to jump off of a bridge later. <laughs> he was like, see, back then, now remember, this was the 60s. Mm-hmm. It was one hour between picks. Oh, my God. I didn't realize that it was that long. Wow. Oh. It just went, and it was 20-plus rounds. Yes. Like five rounds. I'm just being, you know, I'm not even sure what number it was that year. But it was one hour between picks. Each team had an hour. And but think about, like, but for the people, if I can interject, think about communication in the yeah. 60s. We don't right. have the internet. We don't have a cell phone. Right. You're literally hour, having to pick do, up the phone and call. Yeah, pick and up the phone. And that's and that's where the <laughs> phone still lives now, where you see it. And <laughs> phones like Teams and all that. You don't need a phone anymore. But I think the phone is a nod to days gone by. Yeah what it used to be now here we are when they moved it to one round the first round on thursday night i think a lot of people are like what what are we doing and it became the oscars mm -hmm. of, of football so the the league has a pretty good handle on what they're doing plus now you can take the draft and touch touch a lot of cities many of them that are not going to be candidates for a super bowl so for them to have the draft it's a really big deal no doubt. And, and again, I often say this, and I'll make you smile. We grew up watching the early days of this, and tr and Charles was even under consideration to be drafted in the NFL as a player at Tennessee, by the way, as well. There's but we want to do it. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we watched this in a smoke-filled ballroom on ESPN, glued to them making the picks, where Pete Rozelle would call it off off a piece of paper, and they're literally at first writing it on a chalkboard. Yes. Then later it like progressed to a grease board or little sticker names. And now it's multi, multi-million dollar production graphics that we're seeing with all of this. So it has it has truly evolved. You mentioned going to the cities, and you've now done this. And Las Vegas was the city before, but Nashville before that, or Philadelphia, or Chicago. For the purposes of what we're talking yeah, about, what don't is... Forget, don't forget Arlington, Texas. Arlington, Arlington Texas. A certain team with a star coming for yeah, us. Yeah, them too. Yeah. What is this like? What has this become to roll into a city as you guys will on the NFL Network uh, for Kansas City later, what is what is this like for the event to be part of it? Now, this is the you know I'll, I'll take it from the city's perspective first. I believe it is is massive for them. The buildup is incredible. I'll give you a quick example. When we did Philadelphia, I actually talked with one of the ranking police officers in the Philadelphia uh, force, who had told me that yeah, it's great. It's great having you guys here. This is fantastic. We feel very good about what we're doing transportation-wise and how we block things off. He said, in fact, when the Pope came to town, you know, in 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 March, we used that as a dry run. <laughs> the Pope comes to town and the Pope <sighs> is a dry run. Uh -huh. Yeah. That tell, you, that tell you anything? Says it all. That says it tell all. You what we're dealing with here. Yeah. And each city, of course, has its own unique spin. Nashville able to block off you know, their most famous street, Broadway, and just become a walking area for, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. All of that, from what I hear, Kansas City is going to set a record for the size of the stage and the size of other things. Each one will have its own spin. And I was lucky enough to participate in the announcement that Detroit is getting it in 2024. And uh, let me tell you something. Detroit's got its eyes on making it the biggest and the best don't count them out. The people of the Motor City are fired up. So that's kind of what it is. And now you go to the city 
And, you know, when you went to New York City, it was part of New York City and it was wonderful and it was great. Radio City Music Hall held a certain number of people. But now with these outdoor ones and more people permitted in and the whole deal, it, it, it's something. And when I'm yeah. traveling with the people I'm traveling with, you know, everyone knows Rich Eisen. Everyone knows DJ. Peter Schrager comes in from Good Morning Football. You know, those guys are like rock stars. And, and it's fun to watch them get their due in each of these cities that they attend. This guy's a rock star too. Charles Davis with CBS Sports and the I'm, NFL I'm Network. Only here. Only here. <laughs> uh, listen, you're one of my faves. I always say that. You'll see him on the NFL Network's draft coverage on Thursday night, Friday night. I've made you laugh about this. I'm going to bring it back up here on the Last Word on Sports Media podcast. I always feel very connected to you on these drafts because really for about the last 10 years now, I have been the host on the Buccaneer Radio Network local broadcast on the local flagship and on the Buccaneer mobile app and uh, their outlets of the Buccaneer version of this, where we're sitting and talking and analyzing and taking the commissioner's picks. And I look at you and I see you sitting on the set with Daniel Jeremiah, with Rich Eisen, with all the, the people that are on site. And I feel connected to you. And hilariously, I don't ever get to hear what you're saying. They don't even have closed captions. I just, I just see you and I feel connected, even though I don't know the wisdom of Charles Davis and what it is on these picks. And it will be that way again on uh, on Thursday because we're there for the duration just like you guys are just please for me a year ago was the first time we did this where we talked the entire time build up build up build up and the Buccaneers trade out of the first round where we have talked for four and a half hours Charles and there's no Christmas morning there's no birthday there's no present to open so I, I know you have influence. Can you see that that doesn't happen this time? We did that already. I, I, will, do my, I will do please, my best. And, please. And, 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 two things while you were talking. One, our connected, you know, us being connected, truthfully, I think it's we're all interconnected, all the people who are watching, mm -hmm. all of us doing it, because this is the event where we all grew up reading The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Right. And Walter Mitty in his mind became a hero in every story in his mind. And it's, it's daydreaming that we all do. Right. We are the heroes. We are going to solve the crime. We are going to, you know, go to the moon. We are going to race the car where whatever it is in your head that you have, you become the hero. That was Walter Mitty. Right. The secret life. Well, guess what? We're also smart enough to understand that when we watch these people play on Sundays and Monday and whatever other mm -hmm. day we realize we really can't do that. Okay. That part we kind of get right. When us yappers are talking and doing a game, people are sitting home going, yeah, I can probably do that. But then when you put a microphone, Hey, go <laughs> a little bit of hesitancy. <laughs> most right, of right. Right. Okay. So maybe it's not as easy as I thought. I've come to the conclusion though, that just about all of us believe we can pick the right players that we know what talent looks like. Sure. And by now, now that the all 22 tape is available, it's really a big deal to everyone. So I never, you know, and I've told all my colleagues, be careful how you address fans now. Fans are never, they've never been more educated, True. never had more access to things, never watched as much ball. They know a lot. Don't, don't, don't act like you know more than they do. Cause they'll go, well, I watch eight of their games. You watch two. How do you know? And, and then you're kind of stuck. Be careful, be cautious, and respect Amen. them because they have put the time in, they put the effort in, and they love ball like we love ball. So that's a really big deal. And the last thing I'm going to say, TJ, you're giving me all these memories. My first one I ever did, I sat in the crowd at Radio City Music Hall 
and I was supposed to bring reports, they came to me one time. And back then you did like, I think the first two or three rounds on day one. Right, right, right. That was it. I was up there the entire time. I did one report. For like eight hours, by the way, for the audience. I mean, we're not talking about for like an hour or two. You were there probably seven, eight hours or more. I think think eight hours would have been a walk in the park, Kazansky. All right. (laughs) I think we did way more than that. And here we are going to 2023 and I'm fortunate enough to be on the desk, sitting with everyone. Mike Mayock used to sit there for us. He did such a great job. Now it's Daniel Jeremiah and right on down the line. So I consider myself extremely fortunate. Yes, and he works very hard at it, uh, and this is great stuff. Okay, so give me some insight uh, just without specifics. This is uh, this is a cool thing. Um, you, there is so much information, as you just alluded to. We are now a few days prior to Thursday. You have said to me in the past, you can get to the point where it's overanalyzing. It's analysis paralysis. How do you regulate that? Because you've got so many names to be ready for Thursday in particular for round one. How do you balance what is too much a few days out? How do I keep it from being too much and being overprepared to address that, if you would? Yeah, at this stage of my career, I've got a pretty good handle on that because I, I know the players, I've done the work. Good. Earlier in my career, you're exactly right. I would have been paralyzed. Where I do get a little bit paralyzed is, is submitting my last mock draft. Because that's where the information overload, that's where you're leaping at shadows. That's where every time the wind changes direction, you're hearing a different rumor and you're chasing it. And you're, whoa, 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 what, what? Who went to two? What? They're going to take <laughs> That drives you insane because all of us who have to submit mock drafts, I think we all go into it with the attitude of, eh, how are we going to know anyway? Just be loose about it. And then you really want to get it right. You really want to be standing at the end and have someone go, wow, how did he know the mock draft? How? A lot of it is, you know what, right? It's a role. But at the same time, you want to at least appear that you knew who was going to be in the first round. So when there's 31 names this year instead of 32 because the Dolphins aren't are, had to forfeit their pick, You would love for all 31 names to be 31 you have in your mock draft. May not be the right team, right? but that you got the right people. Or you want to hit a high percentage. You want to be in the high 20s with 31 names to know that it happens. Because there's going to be a surprise or two or three and get you. That's just the way it goes. That's the nature of the beast. That's where the information overload kicks in for me, TJ. The rest of it now, I, I don't feel that way. And you know one way I do combat it? is I'm pretty good on round one, round two, round three. At least I feel pretty good. The people have to decide whether I'm any good at it or not, right? What I do over the last three or four days prior to is I go to the extras, the non-power fives, the the Mm -hmm. FCS guys, the Ivy League guys, the guy from the University of Albany, Thomas Greeny, who's a tight end that I heard something about. Those are the people I try and get a little info about just in case they pop up off the board. And we don't get them all, but you're trying to be there and meet the moment. Last year, I'm still I'm still burning about it. Rodney Thomas, safety from Yale, came off the board in the seventh round, and none of us had him. And that's still burning at me right now because sure. most years, one of us has got it. And he ended up having a very nice year for the Colts. So I just put it in a, a, a call to my Ivy League, con- one of my Ivy League contacts, a coach in the league, said, hey, what's this about this guard you've got that you didn't tell me about? <laughs> so, so just in case he pops up, at least maybe I've gotten some information on that person. So we'll see. And you did mention earlier about Tampa Bay trading out. 
Now that the drafts in Kansas City, the defending Super Bowl champs are at 31. Can you imagine if they trade out right. the first round with the, with the draft there in KC? Sure. And by the way, it's a possibility. Sure. If you're at 31, someone might want to come back in for that quarterback to get the fifth year on him, that, that fourth or fifth quarterback. And Kansas City wouldn't be averse to getting out. And and it will be fascinating if they all stand there for hours and hours and hours and the Chiefs don't pick, but it could for the reasons you just mentioned happen. It's why we love the uncertainty of the draft. A few more moments left because I know you're busy and you've got to go. A couple more things I'm curious about. So there have been occasions, and again, in working for a team, and you know this, Charles, but for the audience, and working for a team, you get things and you find things out. So like a year ago, we knew a minute or so before because they had tipped us off out of yeah. the war room in the PR, the Bucks are trading out of this spot. So we knew that, and then I was saying to the audience live, we're being told this is a trade. They're about to announce a trade, and the Bucks are not making a pick. We're doing this on the fly. Give us an idea typically. Do you have a few seconds? Maybe it's not even more than a few seconds. Do you sometimes, do you guys get 30 seconds to know, okay, the pick is going to be, I'm just throwing it out there, Will Anderson here at number five from Alabama. Do you have a slight heads up? there on some of the occasion or most of the occasion as you're sitting on set while you do what you do? Well, you remember, I don't even know how many years ago it was. It got to the point where, because NFL Network and ESPN both broadcast it over the air, right? Mm -hmm. It got to the point where their insiders were doing such a fantastic job of cultivating their contacts that they could tweet out the pick before it ever happened. And that was a show of, hey, look how good my info is. Well, they both finally got together and the league got together and said, guys, what we're hearing from the fans is no one wants to hear that well ahead of it. You're taking the suspense, the fun out of the whole deal. So both sides agreed mutually not to do that. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you because that'd be disingenuous. I'm not the main guy. Daniel Jeremiah is the main guy. Mm -hmm. So my guess is that at times, if not all the time, they may very well tip him right before the pick. So he's prepared. Yes. He's the one who's done the work. I've made it a point. I don't need to know the pick. I don't want to know the pick. I will react as everyone else will. Now, I'm not saying that because, well, look at me. I'm just trying. No, it's just we all got to the point where we realized that's not fun for the fans. So let's not do it. But if the person is going to talk about this player, just as you guys got right before time, mm -hmm. changing anything. That's also not Daniel getting it and then going, you know, I think the pick's going to be. He doesn't do that, right? Now, if he has a conviction about who he thinks the pick will be, he will say that. But if he said it, it's not because they fed it to him. He said it because of what he's ba was based what on. What he believes. Yeah. What he believes. Sure. But once they feed it to him, if they do right beforehand, He's not going to come back and just immediately go, you know, got a feeling. I think TJ Reeves is going right <laughs> That would be some that. kind of feeling. Right, oh. He could do that and, and be phenomenal, but that's not who he is. It's not the character of the man. And I know on the other side, Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, Lewis Riddick, they're not doing that either. Like that's just not who those people are. If you hear it from them, they didn't know. I hope that I hope that's yep. as clear as I can be. No, that's it. and it's also my belief they're not going to do that game of oh wow look at me I got the first twelve right because someone 
tip me off, but you didn't know that at home. I just had a feeling. Well, right, right. And, and a lot of that used to go on in the earlier days of the draft. And, and one other thing that we should make mention is a lot of the times when you're about to see a pick, you've been in a commercial, we've been yep. in a commercial or radio, wherever else, and we know what that pick might be just because it's been two or three minutes since it was made and it's almost impossible to keep it quiet. Right, right. So unless you were to do the show continuously without a commercial break and just one right after the other, you got to have commercial breaks. We're still, we're still bound by radio may be different for the teams, the locals and and all that. But for us doing that show, we're not going to tip it until that is no doubt. And I should clarify that in the case of last year, it was because they were helping us that we've traded the pick. We've told the league, we've made the call. The league has got the card. Just stop talking about who we might draft, chucklehead, because we're not drafting here. Well, they were were looking out for you. Yes, yes. And they were making it, look, guys, that's not going to happen, so I'm not going to let you leave you hanging out there. That's right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Really no doubt. Thing. And the last thing I'll say about all this, TJ, the fun is for the fans to have the reveal. Yes. The fun is all of them have their ideas. Heck, when the trade's revealed, it's a huge deal. Philadelphia has traded with Tennessee and wide receiver A.J. Brown yep. is now a Titan. Whoa! It's a big deal. Well, sure. And just and another one along those lines, the Chicago Bears have traded up one spot with the San Francisco 49ers on the night of the draft, on the clock, to move up one spot and give up a number one pick. And we were all staggered by that. The, this and is I'm the like, uncertainty and the unknown that makes it great. I agree. And I'll give you a quick backstory on that one. And, and this is part of it. Every team has a draft party, right? Mm-hmm. Sponsorship people, fans whatever and that's where i am on the radio on thursday night for the buccaneers the exact party you're talking about the bears of course had theirs i was told directly by a person in the draft room that when it was revealed that they had moved up one and this is who they're going to take because remember they moved up one san francisco dropped down one san francisco kept who they were probably going to take it was solomon thomas the defensive tackle from stanford and Chicago moved up one and took Mitchell Trubisky quarterback. That offseason, they had signed Mike Glennon to a free agent deal to be their starting quarterback. Well, at these things, don't you normally have prominent players and people that are involved at the party? Yes. Well, guess who was there for Chicago? 
their new starting quarterback, Mike Glennon. And they're in the room and it was announced, we're going to take Mitchell Trubisky. And someone said, does Mike Glennon know this? <laughs> and they were like, ah. And a yeah. person bolts out of the room, dives on their phone, frantically trying to get to Mike at the party to let him know before he saw it with everyone else. These are the things that can happen on draft night. These are the things that, that go down and occur. And some of them are humorous. Years later, I will guarantee you, Mike Glennon found no, no not humor. that night, not that and, night. And, and you look back and you go, "Wow, I just got here and you drafted." <laughs> it's almost like draft. Well, and by the way, you drafted Mitch Trubisky. Sure, you drafted Mitch Trubisky, and you didn't draft Patrick Mahomes. Speaking of Kansas City, later this week, as he or went Deshaun, later, or Deshaun Watson, or Deshaun Watson, but Mahomes in particular for later on in that draft. Couple of minutes left. You already touched on it a little bit. Quick answer. What's a big misconception when you guys are there covering it? And part of it right there was you just said, hey, we don't really know. And you just said, I don't want to know. Is there another misconception when we're watching this about how it goes along? Anything come to mind? I, I think I think a lot of people think that we are, are grading it as we go. Like, oh, I cannot believe that's the worst pick I've ever seen. Blah, blah, blah. This is someone's huge night. Mm -hmm. This is someone's biggest event in their life to date. Okay, we may not be crazy about the pick or the player, but I think that we're all trying to make sure that they have their moment. Now, that doesn't mean we go all out and go, wow, that's the greatest pick I've ever seen if we don't believe it. But we're also not going to go, that play, that guy can't play. He's just blah, 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 blah. Not fair to that youngster in my mind. Okay, we may go, wow, that's a surprise because I thought they'd go wide receiver there instead of defensive tackle. Let that youngster have their moment and move on from there. They will prove it, prove to us later on whether it's a good pick or not. Love this insight. One more on this, because, again, it has become different in the last 10 or 12 years where they have the first round and we take then about an 18 hour break once it's over and then it reloads. What is Friday like getting ready for the second and the third round? Because that is almost more daunting, I would think, because it's two rounds, it's another 60-plus players, and you're trying to gather new information. Just take us through that with a real quick answer before you have to go. Yeah, it's really just the, the the top of the draft. Who's sitting there that starts off the next day? Who has the first three, four, five picks? And are any of them in one of those places where you think someone might come up for a certain player who didn't go the first night? You know, there are a number of guys that are sitting in the green room, and you hate it, but almost every year, someone doesn't get picked. Mm -hmm. night one. Will they come back on night two? That's up to them. But my biggest thing is, oh, that person is likely a first rounder. Someone's coming for him early. Who is it going to be? And Do you work the phones a lot morning. that morning and start I, I, talking I, I, to some teams Frank, to get really a feel don't. or not so much? I really don't. DJ okay. probably does. Um, my sense is my feeling is that he is our number one draft guy. I'm there to support him mm -hmm. more than I am to make a name for myself in the way that I look at it. Now, if I knew someone and had it, cool, that's great. But I'd probably share it with him and see if he got the same info because he's going to be the one talking about it first. And that's kind of how it works for us. I, I'm not saying that I'm not out to be accurate myself, but at the same time, hey, Deej, this is what I heard. Did you hear this? and then go from there, and then he gets to draw his own conclusions. All right. Great stuff here. You're on your way to Kansas City. Barbecue in yes. the future for sure. Draft yeah, picks. Definitely Saturday night after it's all over. <laughs> Saturday night barbecue, not before. All right, he's abstaining no, no. until after 
Abstaining I, can't imagine, I can't imagine having the time prior to, to be frank. I understand to get to grind and get it all. Again, as I just said to you in the conversation, I look forward to seeing you as millions will on the coverage of the NFL Network, even though I can't hear you in my case because we're doing the draft coverage. You and I will communicate at some point. Keep Definitely. doing great work, not only with the NFL yeah. Draft and the NFL Network, but also with CBS Sports. Charles Davis, you're the best. Thank you for hanging with me and giving me some great insight here yet again on covering the NFL draft. Well, thanks for having me as always. Continued success to you. Good luck with the Buccaneers and their draft picks and all that goes with it. We're going to have a blast, and it's going to be fun because, you know, whoever's on the clock, depending on where you are, see, in Kansas City, when those AFC West rivals go up on the clock, that's when you'll hear a lot more noise. But now that it is a everywhere thing there are more people coming from all over the country wearing their team gear all 32 teams represented in a big way at the draft now and that's fun many thanks to that man again one more time he's one of my faves going back um, almost 20 years now that he and i have had a media relationship and i am so thrilled professionally for charles davis to be uh in that number two spot uh, for all of the coverage with the NFL, but also in the number one spot for the NFL Network up on that big table with Daniel Jeremiah. They are 1-1A one one doing all the coverage of the NFL Draft with Rich Eisen and company. I should mention, I didn't mention this earlier in the show, I'll be part of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers radio broadcast of the NFL Draft. I'll be leading our coverage, anchoring the coverage from Raymond James Stadium, the home of the Bucks, on Thursday night on the local flagship station, 98 Rock, the Buccaneers mobile app. Etc. We'll be talking all about the Buccaneer draft. And like I said with Charles, I feel connected to him, even though I can't hear him. I can see him during all the coverage as there's thousands at uh, Raymond James Stadium that are listening to our draft coverage and what the Buccaneers will do, hopefully in the middle of that draft. I say hopefully because a year ago we sat there for hours in the 2022 draft coverage and Jason Light traded out of the first round of the NFL draft, picking down near the bottom of it. That can happen. We'll wait to see what happens on Thursday. I look forward to that coverage. Let's move along. Uh, we remind you, by the way, that I will play some Love It or Leave It with television ratings and everything else that's happening uh, right now in and around some sports media landscape that I like or not. That's later on in the show. But another guest coming up straight ahead with a big apple tinge. Uh, let's do that now. Okay, here we go. And time to get some insight because there's always something going on in New York, but in particular right about now, good Lord, with Knicks, with Rangers, uh, I guess the the Devils are still considered in the uh, in the same market. Uh, the Nets are gone uh, out of the playoffs. Oh, Aaron Rodgers got traded to the Jets. The draft is coming up, and so much more. So let's sort it out. Hello, Danielle McCartan, who you hear on WFAN. Oh, by the way, WFAN uh, in New York. Uh, most weekends you get to hear her at various times. I always love the insight from people like you on all these different things. First of all, thank you for hanging with me here on the Last Word on Sports Media podcast. Uh, how are things in this crazy time with postseasons, with a draft, with a Yankee season starting up, a Mets season two starting up? How are things? Busy. <laughs> things are real busy. I got the, the Yankee game on TV right now. With <laughs> one eye on that. Uh, been a lot of split screen action on my TV. I, I do tweet that out at times. Uh you know, the other day I had half Yankees, half Knicks, and I had the Islanders kind of on the Alexa. And I had to keep track of all of it because I was driving into the city. And then at that point, you only have the radio. And 
I was flipping on commercials between the Yankees. It's just, it's a lot, but it's fun. It, it's a lot going on, but it's a fun time here in New York. Finally. No, no doubt. All right. So take me through, as I have made mention, and now you're going to pay that off. You were on, on Sunday post game when, oh, by the way, the Knicks are playing the Cleveland Cavaliers in, uh, in what game four in that series to go up three games to one, the Islanders are playing against uh, Carolina in the National Hockey League of the Stanley Cup playoffs at the same time, and the Yankees playing, what, the Twins, I believe, all at the same time. And you're going to be on after this, yeah. engaged with all the callers, all the audience. How did you prioritize that? I'm fascinated. In your own mind, your own rundown with your producer, how are you prioritizing? What are we talking about first? How did that go? Yeah, um, and, and then the Met game started at 7 p.m., so I also had to be on the radio and looking at the Met game, too. Um. I kind of took it as, all right, we'll talk a little bit about the honors. I kind of took it as like, what am I going to get the most calls on? And last week I was on after a Nick game too. And the Knicks callers in New York city are frenetic. They're like, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I, I knew I wanted to focus on the Knicks and I knew I was following the Yankees. We're, we're on the air with the Yankees. So I knew I was following the Yankees. So those were the two that I kind of zeroed in on one, because it's a seamless transition from the Yankee game to the Yankee post game to me. So I started with the Yankees then, because the Knicks had just won, people were sending me videos while I was on air of the mayhem going on outside of the garden. So I was kind of kind of trying to corral that energy. I want to hear from you. If you were there, call me up. And people did. And then just a little bit about the Islanders, because it was just a, a drudgingly bad game. Uh, I mean, it, they lost. I mean, it was over early, pretty much. And so mm -hmm. uh, I kind of tried to keep the positive vibes going, honestly. And um yeah, so that, that's how I kind of prioritized one over the other. And I I always feel, and, and I was on for five hours, and it really didn't feel like five hours. Yeah, and the interesting thing with that is you're trying to get the fan reaction, uh, but at the same time, you're also trying to give your insight, give your analysis, especially if it's gone wrong, like in the case of the of the Islander game. And if I'm not mistaken, the Yankees lost also too. So there may, there's, there's also weaving in criticism, right, as part right. of this as you're going along and doing your job, right? Yeah, I, I've taken a lot of notes as I'm watching, um, mental notes while I'm driving. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Yankee game was, wasn't was great. And so um, the Yankee game wasn't great. I, I had a criticism about how long um, Clark Schmidt was left in the game. So I, I'm weaving that in while, you know, I'm trying to temper the fan base of like, this Yankee lineup sucks. It's like, no, it doesn't. And then one guy was like, they got to get rid of Giancarlo Stanton. And I was like, but don't you understand that the, the the slide of the of the 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 batting order and the, and the hitting has coincided with the departure of Giancarlo Stanton to the IL? Don't you understand that? And the guy was like, "I don't care." And I'm like, "Well, I don't know how to help you, you know." So yeah, there's a little bit of exasperation, um, but overall, the Yankees are doing fine. That's then that's the message I tried to convey and work in some criticism of the game, of course. Um, but um, yeah, at that point when the games are just finishing. I always try to get like the live reaction. It's more reactionary and then a shift happens into becoming more um, critiquing of the game more and more, especially with the Knicks fans. I mean, they were partying outside the garden for all, many hours after that game ended. So I was just trying to corral the excitement of the Knicks fan. Like people were telling me they're going to the championship. And I was like, okay, why? You know, <laughs> you know, so Settle down yeah. a little bit. It is remarkable while we throw these things out there, and I'm going to go, I'm going to date myself and go beyond you. They haven't had a two game lead in any playoff series in a decade. 
That's staggering. They haven't been in the playoffs all the time in the last 10 years, too. It has been not even in this century since they've been in the NBA Finals. It's the the strike-shortened year or the lockout or whatever it was of 99. Uh, I, I still go back. Were you on the – I don't think you were on the planet. Were you on the planet in 94 uh, when they got to was, game seven with the Rockets? I don't I do it. You, you were like barely on the planet. And I then, of course, but neither one of us were really on the planet uh, for Willis Reed and what happened with the, the, the famous championship win, and that's the last time in the early 70s they had a championship. So it has been a long time, and there yeah. are a lot of older, you know, second- and third-generation Nick fans that are starved for this to see uh, anything uh, like this uh, with the family. If you had to gauge it right now in terms of, I, I, I mean, I get that football is king, but the Yankees are also king, but now we got the Knicks surging. How do you rank this on the fandom scale, dealing with them on the phone, dealing with them on social media? How would you rank this with what the Knicks are currently doing as it relates to the Yankees and relates to the football season with the Jets or the Giants? Yeah, you know, I was kind of surprised that I didn't get more calls on the Jets and Giants, honestly. And I had to shove my draft predictions in right at the end of the show because I, I wasn't getting – I honestly didn't get any calls about the draft right. yet up until now. So uh, I think the Knicks are king. The Knicks are king in New York City right now. Um, a lot of people are calling about the Yankees, more so on Twitter. The Knicks are king. I mean, I can't believe – when I look at the call board, I'm like, oh, my God, look at all these people. Let me – let me, you know, let's talk about Julius Randle, why he was benched in the fourth quarter and all that stuff. So I would say Knicks number one. I would say volume of calls would be Yankees probably number two, Rangers three. And then all the rest. Then, yeah, then gather in, Then gather in all the rest. And obviously if you're doing a show as you were doing – during the stretch run of the NFL season and the giants are trying to make the playoffs and eventually do make the playoffs and are playing in a playoff game, then that's going to overtake everything else with the exception maybe of it happening simultaneous uh, with the playoff run to like an October, you know, Yankee opportunity to win a world series, something like that. I get that uh, on how that, on how that part works. I love the insight from Danielle McCartan. Follow her at coach McCartan. You hear her on WFAN on the weekends. I again say publicly, I am very proud of you uh, because this is this is one driven young woman here to get herself to this point, going from uh, shows uh, essentially on your own YouTube, on your own website to, hey, notice me, find me. And you're now there on WFAN uh, with yeah. chops and showing what you can do. Um, all right. So this is another cool part. You have you've gotten around uh, different prominent, famous athletes. So take me through what it's like for you that, hey, I have through a lot of my life been watching these stars in these different sports, and now I'm in a role where it is my job to go and interview them. What is that part like? What is that mental preparation like for you to go in now? And you've been doing it for a while, but to go in now and talk to an Aaron Judge or go into that Ranger locker room as you did before and talk with Henrik Lundqvist, who's a legend uh, as the goalie of the Rangers. What is What is that stuff like? You have to be well-researched, well-prepared for any direction that conversation is going to go in. And and I like this, a plan. I'm a teacher. I have lesson plans. I have practice plans. I have, I'm a planner. But sometimes I've realized, I've learned that you, you have to go in there with an idea and then you have to listen to what they say and then you have to react to what they say. So And, and you need to know what you're talking about beyond that. So and it's, it's so stressful. It is so stressful because you go in there and I have my little tripod I have to set up and all you can't video record, let's say, in the Yankee locker room. So you, you have to ask the player, hey, are you going to take batting practice today? Can I talk to you outside? I'm doing it for our digital channels. 
most of the time they give me I, an example to... of who you just did that with recently who did you do that with recently uh, give me the, one yeah the well inside the locker room i i talked to josh donaldson he was like oh no i'm not taking batting practice today or i'm doing it in the, indoors so we'll have to do audio only i said that's fine so i did it right mm -hmm. there Mm -hmm. But then Anthony Volpe was outside the dugout and um, I, I had met him a few times before and, and he was just so happy to just be there, you know, like the two of us were like, wow, this is pretty cool, you know? So, <laughs> um, yeah. So him and I, that, that was, that was so far this season. I've only been out there once and you never know what you're going to get either. You don't know, you know, which player you're going to get to talk to. So you got to be well-versed in everything, every aspect of that team that's going on. Was part of you, I love this again for our audience because we're talking about sports media, was part of you at the beginning having to almost catch yourself on don't be too much of a fan, don't be, you know, you're not going to be a big critic to beat them over the head. Where is that line? Are you searching in your own head? Where is that line that I'm trying not to be too much of a fan, trying not to be too much of a critic, yet I'm trying to get good things out of this person while I'm standing there doing it? How did it how yeah. does it work for you in that? It's not it's not hard, honestly, because I, I do a very um unbiased right down the middle radio show. There's no fangirling going on where as in other places it might be. But when I get in there, you're wearing dress clothes. You know, you're there to do a job and bring audio back to your and video back to your followers. So it's not about fandom. It's it's about kind of gaining the trust of the athlete. At first, you you don't ask like the hard questions at first. Like, you know, you don't. And then you you get gain them, gain their trust. And then, you know, Anthony Volpe gave me a nugget and he said, Yeah, I talked to Derek Jeter on the phone. That was nobody had heard that before. And then Aaron Judge, he told me um when they were playing in the game in Iowa, the Field of Dreams game, he was like, I don't know, but a little birdie told me, you know, Kevin Costner might be there. And nobody knew that at that point. So it's like, just be approachable, you know, get their opinion. They're the expert. Like they are the player, get their opinion. Sure. And then you can talk about their opinion. So back to that, when judge told you that, yeah. how quickly are you trying to process? Okay. When do I tell my bosses at WFAN? Who do I tell this to? Cause we've got something that nobody else potentially may have here yeah. on that. How did you process that? Yeah, I um, you know what I did? I I went pretty much right up to the press box. I cut that one particular clip and I posted it online pretty much right away. And I, you know, it then sometimes it takes off and it runs. But uh, yeah, I, and I knew it too. I was like, oh man, this is good. Like my eyeballs were probably like this. <laughs> I got a nugget from Pete Alonzo too. I was at a, a, a camp that he was doing, and he say said, it correctly: Tampa, Florida's Pete Alonzo plant. High schools, Pete Alonzo, <laughs> as you talked to TJ, a plant high school alum many years before Pete Alonzo. Get that right. Tampa, oh, Florida's cool. Pete Alonzo. Plant high school, Tampa, Florida's Pete Alonzo. Get that right. I'm just, cool. you, I'm just giving you a hard time. I'm, I'm going to have to drop that next time I talk to him. <laughs> no, yeah, he, he gave me a nugget too. And then I was, I could not believe it, TJ. Ready for this? I interviewed him and there were a bunch of other, it was a media scrum. And I asked a good question. I forget what it was. And they had, I was driving home and my voice was on the Moose and Maggie show on the midday. And I was like, I didn't even get home yet. And my, my question and my voice is on that show. So that was probably the coolest of, of all of it. And I guess SNY were the one who sent it to him. I don't really know, but right, right. that was that was really cool. Well, sure. You have, you have those moments where you're like, that's there. I, I was joking about this and you know where I'm going that in December of uh, 2021 for the Buccaneers and the Jets, the Antonio Brown famous met meltdown at MetLife Stadium is happening right next to me in my Buccaneers sideline role. And so I'm describing what's going on because there there's a play going on on the field while he's doing this beside us. 
Brady and the offense are on the field and he's not on the field and he's doing this. And suddenly within minutes, Danielle, I am everywhere all over the internet because I'm the one talking about it more so than TV, which didn't catch it until he was running around in the end zone, like a lunatic with his shirt off running the tunnel. Yep. And so I'm on the sideline and my phone is erupting because I'm everywhere all over the internet and all over ESPN radio, CBS sports radio, wherever you never know when those moments are coming along and it still is a pretty cool thing that, Hey, it's that important. It's that big of a deal. It will I elevate know. I know. Uh, when you get those stories. Okay. A few more minutes because I love your insight. Um, so this Aaron Rodgers guy. Yeah. Him uh, back to the future traded 15 years later, just like Brett Favre to the New York jets, just like Brett Favre from the green Bay Packers to the New York jets. So it had been discussed. It had been theorized. Rogers had said himself, this is where I want to end up. That has happened this week. I am curious in that market, not just you, but from fans that you hear from, from the local market, not the national, not ESPN, not the NFL network, but in the local New York market, how is this being received? Right now, how is this playing in New York since it's so fresh that it's now official Aaron Rodgers is coming to the New York Jets? It's kind of um, a relief in a way. It's a relief that after all of this time, like you outlined beautifully, it it finally happened, number one. But more so, I can't believe it, but people are like, they gave up too much. They gave up too much for him. What are they going to do? I'm like, you haven't seen the Super Bowl since not even in my 1969. That you have a, a a roster that is ready to to push to go to the next level. All you need is a quarterback, and I can't believe you're sitting there saying they gave up too much for him. I mean, this th- if this doesn't work out, if you only get one year of him, it's like it's like the, the sky is always falling around here. It's, oh, I can't believe it. They, they gave wait, up. wait, wait. I'm going to help you out so you can go back to drafting uh, Zach Wilson and go back to drafting Christian Hackenberg and go back to drafting Bryce Petty. How am I doing so far? Go back to drafting uh, Geno Smith. Uh, that that's what you're worried about with the draft picks with worrying about how good the draft picks are. Right. People are like, Oh, he had a down year last year. I'm like, you don't understand. I went back to all the quarterback ratings for the starting quarterbacks for the jets for for a long time through all those guys. You have to land on Chad Pennington. When I was like a sophomore (laughs) in high school, Aaron Rodgers' down year was, was equal to Chad Pennington. You know, I mean, it wasn't, you know, you haven't had a season. You'd be lucky to have a season like that. I'm trying to get that through these people say, oh, yeah, he, you know, he's old. Okay. Well, Tom Brady was old too. And guess what he, look what he did. Sure. I, you know, the word championship and the word jets and the word fandom, it's kind of like oil and water around here. They, they're always looking for excuse why it can't happen, why it won't happen, why it, can't, it shouldn't happen. It's like, embrace it. The guy can take the jets to the Super Bowl. Embrace it. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, How do you think, speculate, how do you think this is going to go a few months from now when it begins? Because it's one thing when you're in Green Bay and the Packers are the team and they've had a lot of success. It's another thing now coming to, as you just described it, what is a mess. It's been a mess for a lot of years and it's the number one media market. It is cutthroat uh, and they don't care and they will trash and destroy whomever. Even if you have a legacy and a Hall of Fame career, they will trash you. They will destroy you. Uh, How do you think, speculate, how do you think this is going to ultimately play later on in the year? And especially if there's a a loss, several losses early in the year, how do you think it plays? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If you win here, it doesn't matter. Of course. If you win, it doesn't matter. But if if it starts to, you know, to, to 
if there's a losing streak or he said he's going to report for training camp, we'll see. But if they start slow and then people are going to be like, see, I told you so. I told you so. Joe Douglas, you got to fire him. Robert Seller, you got to fire him. All these guys, fire him, fire him, fire him. That's what's going to happen. Three losses in a row. And that's what's going to start happening on our radio here in New York. But again, like Aaron Rodgers said himself, relax, relax. <laughs> um, they're going to be fine. I mean, honestly, if, if they go through the draft and they come out with a center, which is what I would want them to do, um, and maybe a tight end, a weapon tight end, mm-hmm. they're going to be fine. You've got, you've got um, it, it's just, they're going to be fine. Just relax. Well, and- I mean, I understand the other side of the argument because Brady obviously worked out very well in Tampa Bay. Hello. I mean, Super Bowl win. But look at Russell Wilson as the recent sample that Seattle makes that move. He comes to Denver. Denver thinks we're an immediate Super Bowl contender. And like two games in, people are looking at it going disaster, nuclear meltdown. When is when is Nathaniel Hackett getting fired, which eventually he did later in the first season. So I understand the counter argument. I understand where people are sitting back saying this is not anointed that he's going to show up in New York and win. And this is this is as impatient a place to go to and not succeed immediately as you're going to find. And you can speak to that more. Impatience is almost like in the DNA. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like you, they want to win yesterday. Everybody wants to win yesterday. Daniel Jones, he sucks. He lost three games in a row. Fire him. It's like, no, like, un- understand. Yes, it's very impatient here. And and Steve Cohen, too, when he bought the Mets, oh, we're going to win a championship in five years. Okay, well, now he's back. He's taking that back. And he's like, well, I didn't realize, you know, this, that, and the other thing. Um, but, yeah, it's it's immediate. And And you know what? He is the last piece on this Jets team. I expect it to be immediate, too. I mean, he might not even play the second year. It needs to be now. Now is the window. The window is open for the Jets right now, and it needs to happen. And I understand in this scenario the impatience with it. I love all of this from Danielle McCartney, who's with me for just a couple of more moments, giving me insight. You find her, you hear her on WFAN. Follow her at Coach McCartney on social uh, media. Uh, Okay, tell me a little bit about uh, for you, for your journey and for where you are right now. What message do you have for young broadcasters, in particular, young female broadcasters, and there are legions, not just a few, legions who are in the high school, college, just out of college mode that aspire to get to that job, get to that major market job, radio, TV, whatever it is, covering a team, etc. From your experiences, what do you take from that? What advice do you give from that that helped you get to the point where you're on the number one sports station in America? What, what, uh, what do you have? Tony Reale told me to find my voice and he said to do it in many different ways. And so I said, okay. Uh, so ultimately, when did you meet him? Let me interrupt. When did you meet him? And when, when was the setting? Get, give me more on that, on that conversation. Yeah, I met uh, every year. Uh, I pretty much go to this Italian conference in Washington, DC and they honor different people and everything. And I met Yogi Berra there, but Franco Harris, but uh, one year they honored Tony Reale. And we went to the after party, which was in the hotel lobby. And I said, hey, I think I want to give the sports media thing a shot. And he was like, okay, oh, uh, you got a long story short. You got a Twitter? And I was like, yeah. He goes, you got a blog? I was like, no. And he's like, okay, that's your next step. You put the blog, you link the blog in the Twitter, and you find your voice to create your narrative. And I said, okay. So um, probably that was a bad imitation. That is, that's actually a pretty good one of Tony Reality, the, uh, Tony Reality from the uh, Around the Horn Show. Keep going. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, he, he won't remember it, but I will never forget it, actually. So um yeah i had it i had the twitter and i my first article was about alex rodriguez i'll never forget it and the, the freaking website went down so I, you can't even find it if you wanted to that the host site went down and so um okay 
couple of articles and then I strong armed the kid, you know, I, I, I thought I might want to write. And then I strong armed the kid at my local college that I went to as an alumni. I was like, I want to do a radio show. And he was like, well, I said, no, I'm doing it. You figure out how. So I, I did, I was writing, I was uh, doing a radio show. And then I was like, you know what? There's gotta be some video content that goes along with this too. So mm -hmm. I taught myself everything on the computer, how to do it all, edit it all. So I, my advice ultimately being don't, you know, say I'm a writer, I'm a radio person. I'm a sideline reporter because I was doing color commentary for bas Princeton basketball. Did I ever think so? I would never. I, really I remember did. Danielle McCartan calling me and saying, TJ, what do you think about <laughs> me being a color commentator at ESPN Plus, right? On ESPN yeah. Plus, Princeton basketball, women's basketball home games. I said, I believe as quickly as, as possible, three words, you are doing, uh, four words, you, your is uh, the three words. Yeah. You're doing it. Yeah. Go do that. Yeah. Because what you're talking about is something I preach all the time. Sometimes your best ability is your availability, or it might even be your versatility. The fact that you know how to write, or the fact that you know how to edit, or the fact that you know how to shoot video and edit it, like, it, like what you're describing, that may get you in the door. That may get you noticed. That may be the kickstart, the spark that you need yeah. uh, to get you an opportunity, right? Yeah. Yeah. And when I went into the fan with uh, the Mark Chernoff and, you know, we had a conversation in his office and he was asking me, quite, I didn't realize it was an interview until it was over, but I had the knowledge, you know, he, he, he found my radio show, all that. He heard clips of it. He pulled it up actually. And then he was like, so what do you think about this? And I didn't talk about it on the radio show, but I had written about it. So I was well-versed in whatever he was asking me. So he asked me about David Wright. Will he ever see the field again? And I said, you know what, based on my research about spinal stenosis, I don't think so. And he never did. And I was right. So, um, you know, it's, it's, I, 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 the word is versatile. You have to be able to have your voice in many different, you know, areas. And I was just reading articles about this too. There's some national hosts that are now radio hosts that are like, Hey, we got to do a video component to our show, you know, to gain engage people. So mm -hmm. as best as you can do it all, never say no and just do it all. I still remember I'm complimenting you every which way. I contacted you watching one of your videos because you had a remote handheld mic and you were able to activate your camera, if I'm correct, with your remote handheld mic. I said, Danielle, who's shooting your stuff? You said me. I said, how are you rolling the camera? And you said, with the thing I'm holding, the microphone I'm holding. I'm like, you're yeah. unbelievable. I yeah. don't even know. I've been in the business 20, 25 years and I don't know how to do what you're doing here uh, with this. So again, I'm just preaching on the versatility point. Yeah. uh here with this and and obviously uh your availability and uh, and the knowledge base and those kind of things they're all important with this uh with the message okay so ultimately uh here with all of this craziness we still we haven't even talked about the rangers and the devils because uh -huh. they hook back up now in that series what is that like by the way because it's stirring up all the memories of 1994 i would think in new york which again is, you know, Danielle's like young, but in 94, yeah. the Ranger run with Messier to win the Stanley cup, it had to go through the devils in a wild and crazy series. So I'm sure this is stirring up all of that. What is that like to cover that, be around that talk about that as a media member right now? Yeah, it was um different than what I was expecting, honestly, because, and now I look back and I'm like, all right, it makes sense. It The, the fan bases are really like, Really, I'll get a devil's call and there's a ranger's call right on the board to rebut it. I'll get a ranger's call. There's a devil's caller on the board right to rebut it, which is cool. And I get it because, look, the Jets and the Giants don't really play each other. The Yankees and the Mets don't really play each other. But these these are in the same conference. They are in mm -hmm. the same. 
obviously. So it's, it's something that I actually hadn't really experienced really. And I wasn't expecting because it's always been, you know, you know, they'll meet every once in a while, but this is like, this is a series and it's amazing to me. Like I even said the other night, I was like, Oh, Hey, like, you know, I haven't heard from a devil's fan in a little bit. Like all of a sudden, boom, devil's call right on the board. Boom. And the guy was like that Rangers call. He doesn't know what he's talking about. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to stoke it a little bit, you know, like just to get the reaction. Now I'm learning well, how to do that. Uh, and you're doing it well. And there's plenty more reaction to come from whatever happens in, uh, in that series with Rangers and devils for sure. Uh, because you're talking about transcendent things where Mark Messier guaranteed we're winning tonight and then got the hat trick in the yeah. elimination game six. And then in the game seven, it's the famous double overtime. I'll do my impersonation again. Mato, Mato, Mato. The Stefan Mato double overtime goal, or the Rangers don't even get to the Stanley Cup final to play yeah. the Vancouver Canucks in 94. I'm going in the way back, but it all had to go through the Devils. And the yep. Devils have won Stanley Cups since the Rangers have won them. So, again, yep. we're doing a lot of New York and a lot of New York heavy. Anything else in closing that I have not uh, brought up that you think is important, pertinent, people should know, people should know about you, uh, people should know about what's going on with the with the New York sports tenor right now in a late April setting like this? Man. Anything else or are we good? Oh, man, this is a lot. Um, I I'm trying to think of what. I could add to here. Um, I can't, I, you know, I can't add much more than Devils Rangers, uh, Knicks with a two game lead in a series and Aaron Rodgers being traded to the Jets in the same week. I can't add much more than that I know, to this, this week. Is, I mean, we're pretty full for this week. Yeah, this is going to be a fun week on the weekend on the radio. That's for sure. Um, It's just fun because I mean, you in Tampa, obviously Champa Bay, we get mm -hmm. it. We want a couple of champions. It's been a while. It's been a long time since there's been a championship here. I mean, what 2009 with the Yankees, right? I think it was the last one in, in, in our area. So it's well every... the uh the giants got one right after that the giants oh, got the super bowl a couple years right. right after that that's right that's right yeah but that i mean how long ago that's like thir thir 13 years ago 12 or right. 11 whatever years ago yeah. so that's time you know so there's kids in my class that have never seen a championship in new york so it's um it's <laughs> they haven't you know it's I, I see kids wearing milwaukee bucks jerseys and atlanta hawks jerseys i'm like dude pick up a patrick ewing jersey will you but um, no, it's like uh, it's it's fun because when I first started on the fan many years ago, a couple years ago, it was all negative. It was it, it, I, how many Giants coaches did I go through in my tenure at the fan? It was all negative, and the Jets and all those quarterbacks you outlined before all negative, and the Yankees keep getting to the ALCS and losing it negative. Like all oh, this has been negative, and now all of a sudden for me, it's like I'm picking up the phone. And there's happy people on the other end of the phone. And it's like, <laughs> it's weird. But it's fun. But sometimes, but sometimes angry New York fan is just as good as the oh, as the happy one. It's stoking that. Okay. I agree. There's this guy that calls in. His name is Omar, and he's a huge Net fan. And he he crescendos, okay? And 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 he gets so unintelligible as he crescendos. Uh, all of his calls are the exact same. And then I just I I just I let him go. And then one night I said, I said, I I because I really was up against commercial. So I like kind of cut him off as soon as he took a breath. And I was like, very deadpan. I was like, the Nets had lost. I said, I'm sorry for your loss. There was people tweeting. One guy tweeted me, Danielle, I almost drove off the road. That was hilarious what you well just done. did. Yeah. Well done. So, the angry ones are good too. Yeah, they are. There's anger, some Anger fuels it a lot of the time. All right, one more fun one because Danielle teaches Italian and is fluent in it. Say in Italian, can I go, please? I want to watch the rest of the Yankee game. Do that for me yeah. on the last word on sports. Give me a little Italian. Can I go, please? Yeah, I want yes. to watch the rest of the Yankees. All right. Uh, posso andare? Perché devo guardare la fine della partita di Yankees. I love that. Uh, uh, Anthony Volpe, 
He told me he wants to be called Volpe, though. So, all right. Volpe. Okay. okay. Not Volpe, Volpe the Italian Volpe. pronunciation. We get yeah. all this straight. Again, follow her at Coach McCartan. Spell that M C C A R T A N. Spell that. Find her on W F A N on the weekends. I love the insight, including your journey. Keep it up. I, I say again publicly, I am proud of you. Keep going. Uh, with what you're doing, it is tremendous. It's a different, it's a different take and a different voice, and I love that. Uh, keep knocking them dead, kiddo. Thank you, thank you for hanging with me on the Last World on Sports Media podcast. Thanks, mentor TJ, for having me. Again, great insight from Danielle. Check her out on the weekends there on WFAN as uh, she does a fantastic job on the number one sports station. I mean, it is now some what 35 years and counting the WFAN. The first all-sports radio station in the country, the powerhouse sports station, has been talking about all those New York teams. And, man, what will happen, especially if the Rangers can pull out their series with the Devils, the Knicks are still alive, a draft going on again with Aaron Rodgers, and uh, now the New York Jets. Um, again, I realize there's fatigue all over the country that people hate you know, hate hearing about New York all the time. But as, uh, as we were talking about, they haven't really had a championship at this point, going back to the New York Giants, the Yankees 09 of the Giants in 2011. So uh, in any event, uh, it looks like it could possibly change uh, in this postseason, either with the Rangers or the Knicks, maybe. We'll see. Again, will my lightning be heard from uh, come the uh, Game 5 on Thursday night as we release this podcast, Game 5 Thursday night while the NFL draft is coming on in Toronto uh, for the Bolts as the three-time winners out of the East. Now, it wasn't all the Eastern Conference in, in the COVID crazy season. I, I They didn't call it the Eastern Conference, but three years in a row, they've represented the East in the Stanley Cup Finals and uh, have won two of them. The first one in the bubble, the next one over Montreal in the seven-game series, and then losing to Colorado in six last year. We'll wait and see what happens if the Bolts can stay alive or will Toronto get that playoff series win uh, coming up. But anyway, that'll be going on all on Thursday night for all the coverage and all the action and what's happening with the Stanley Cup playoffs. All right, so let's get into the finish up of the show with uh, what I find enjoyable or not. Here we go. Love it or leave it. Up first in the NBA playoffs, you definitely, as a playoff audience, were loving the Golden State-Sacramento game back on Sunday on ABC in the NBA playoffs. The Game 4 win that almost, I mean, it did. It had a replica moment of Steph Curry calling a timeout late in the game that the Golden State Warriors did not have. It led to a four-point play for the Kings in a game where they were down by five. Crazy finish to the end of that game, and over 7.5 million people on average were watching for the largest NBA playoff audience they've had in a non-finals game going back to 2002 for an early round game. Uh, So obviously you were loving that. Now, I say this as an offshoot because it is the truth. I get so sick of hearing about how much more popular the NBA is than college basketball. And I'm the first one to admit I'm biased towards the college game. But uh, let's leave it on all of the myth, all of the talk that the NBA is somehow more popular than March Madness in college basketball. Why do I say that? Apples to apples comparison here when it comes to the ratings. So let's compare again, seven and a half million watching Golden State and the Kings. And, and while it was not an elimination game, it was an important playoff game. I mean, if the Kings can, could find a way to win against their Northern California rival, the defending champion with Steph Curry and Clay Thomas and company, 
the Splash Brothers back in there. If Sacramento could win that game and go up three games to one, it's enormous. And it's a standalone Sunday network TV playoff game that got $7.5 million. All right, so how does that compare to going back to March Madness and what we saw uh, with, uh, with the college basketball? All right, so here's the fair comparison. In the first Sunday window, network TV of the NCAA tournament, uh, back in March, Michigan State and Marquette were in that slot just before 60 minutes on CBS. And that game won in a close, hotly contested second-round game by Michigan State. was viewed by 10.9 million people. Three, roughly three and a half million more people watching the college basketball game. Apples to apples comparison. Network TV, Sunday afternoon, basketball versus basketball. Taking into account out of home viewing, taking into account every variable. There's three and a half million more people watching Michigan State and Marquette, according to the ratings. Never mind the fact that earlier in the day, that Kentucky had played a game against Kansas State, drew 9.4 million people watching as the lead-in to that Michigan State game on CBS for the first weekend of the tournament. 9.4 million. So how does that stack up, by the way, with the New York Knicks-Cleveland Cavaliers game that we were just talking about with Danielle, about everybody gaga over the Knicks and the New York market and New York this and New York that? Well, the Knicks... And the Cleveland Cavaliers played on Sunday afternoon to the tune of 3.98 million, almost 4 million people watching. That's a solid number for the NBA playoffs. Again, at 1 Eastern time. Uh, But it's comparable, again, to the Kentucky matchup with Kansas State that started just around 2.30 Eastern time on that Sunday afternoon-ish. Uh, that had over nine and a half, right at nine and a half million, three times the audience. So I just make the point one final time when you hear all this about the popularity of the NBA. Uh, and I know the NBA has taken popularity hits because of the social justice stances and all of the uh, the uh, social justice stuff that was on the uniforms and the bubble in 2020 and a lot of people swearing off the NBA. But th- this is the truth. For the better part of 25 years, the NCAA basketball tournament and college basketball has been far more exciting, far more highly rated than the NBA playoffs. Now, when the NBA finals come around and that final series is around, especially if you get to elimination game six and elimination game seven, the ratings may be much, much bigger in June than what they are here right now for the opening of the NCAA tournament. But please. Don't try to tell me that the NBA is more popular when a Knicks-Cavaliers game on network TV, apples-to-apples comparison, has one-third of the audience of Kentucky and Kansas State as brand names. And by the way, the day before, in the second round of the NCAA tournament on CBS, Duke and Tennessee had close to 9 million people watching on a Saturday afternoon. The NBA doesn't draw 8 million people on Saturday afternoon on network TV for their playoff games. So anyway, there's the comparison on on Love It or Leave It. All right, let's move on with something else. Love it or leave it. Speaking of the NBA and speaking of Saturday afternoon, is it just me? I I know that CNN has this new show that they're rolling out with Charles Barkley and with Gail King, the television show host. uh, Gail, uh, now known for doing CBS's morning show, 
as she has for the past few years. She and Charles Barkley will be doing a Wednesday night show on CNN. But very curious on the love it or leave it. What what is up with promoting this on a Saturday afternoon as they did on Turner? Warner Discovery promoting this on Saturday. I mean, we've already established that on Saturday afternoon, there's not a ton of TV audience hanging out there. In fact, the TBS playoff ratings uh, for Saturday afternoon were basically negligible. For 76ers nets, just over 1.8 million people. The uh, the lead-in show uh, it couldn't have had a million people watching it. Why, why would they not... Uh, do this uh, midweek in particular if this was going to be a Wednesday night show why not do this during the Turner halftime show of a game on Wednesday night for example last week Turner's playoff game the Lakers Grizzlies on a Wednesday night had 3.8 million and that's LeBron and the Lakers but I mean if you're doing it at halftime of the playoff game you're easily going to have three or four times the audience that are going to be watching so leave it on that. Who came up with that as the announcement for that night, uh, for that afternoon at 1 Eastern time for the new show? And what's the under over on how long the Charles Barkley Gail King show will last? Does that show, I put the under over at three months. Does that show last three months in the ratings on CNN? Do they give it a full TV season run of eight, nine months coming up? Uh, we will find out on that. I just I found it curious on love it or leave it with that part. Love it or leave it. Back to the NFL draft and what's going to happen on a Thursday and Friday. Here's what I don't love, and that is especially when we get uh, to Saturday, uh, it, the, the whole thing suddenly becomes like it's on a, a fast-forward button on your DVR where we're racing through all the picks, which the picks are only five minutes apart, and everybody's trying to catch up. A lot of times, there are people very interested in the fourth and the fifth round, not maybe so much the sixth and the seventh round that are checking out Saturday. And Saturday's going to have playoff hockey from the Stanley Cup. It's going to have the the NBA. The only thing I don't like is on the coverage, not only on the NFL Network, but on ESPN, ABC, et cetera. Uh, they, they go to all the interviews. They go to all the stuff. I mean, I realize it's a TV show, but the, the picks, we, we come back to the host, whether it's Rich Eisen, uh, or whomever's doing this, Mike Greenberg, uh, doing, I think, the weekend coverage on ESPN. They come back around, and it's like, okay, let's recap the last eight picks of the fourth round of the draft. The last eight picks, try to talk about them. It is a little much, and it almost seems like there are way too many people that are trying to weigh in, especially on Saturday and the coverage of everything that's going on on the Love It or Leave It, where they've got 15 different people in all these different studios and places that are trying to weigh in for the, the different parts of the coverage. And and now it's become social media having it there, the instantaneous part. I know Charles was talking about this earlier in our conversation, that they want to try to squelch what that pick is going to be. But the problem is the TV show starts taking an extra five minutes, seven minutes before they reveal a pick or the picks. And social media is all over it on who got taken and what the analysis is instantaneously. You can't get away any longer uh, with trying to delay things and act like they haven't happened on social media. Whether it's a draft pick, whether it's a goal being scored in the Stanley Cup playoffs, a big three-point shot. I mean, when Trey Young made that huge three-pointer uh, back on Tuesday night for the Atlanta Hawks as we release this podcast, depending on when you're hearing it, 
You weren't going to go five minutes without finding that out. It's all over social media. The video of it is there being uh, consumed by hundreds of thousands of people basically instantaneously. Can't hide when that's happening. Can't get away with that anymore. It's the same with the draft picks. So there you go. So anyway, a bunch to cover uh, for this. Oh, you know what? I had one more. I had one more before we're done. Love it or leave it. And look, the live golf, I realize, is not getting any attention whatsoever in terms of ratings. Again, we got to go back to social media and viral moments. And this was late night on Friday night, which turned out to be their final round on Saturday, if I have my days and nights right, for the golf in Australia because of the 14-hour time difference or 15 hours, whatever it was, in Adelaide, Australia. Because of that, the golf was late night. Now, typically, the golf channel... Uh, we'll have this on when they're showing golf from Australia or from the Far East because it's time displaced and it's happening at you know noon the next day, one the next day, but it's on late night, 10 p.m., 11 p.m. in the East or midnight in the East, 11 p.m. in the Central Time Zone. So anyway, the viral moment was Chase Kepka, the brother of the four-time major winner Brooks Kepka, who's won the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship twice. Brooks Kepka, who also contended at the Masters, by the way, before John Rahm put him away, roared from behind and put him away. Well, Chase Kepka made the hole-in-one that has gone viral for live golf all over social media, all over Twitter, all over Instagram, uh, and everywhere else you get video, TikTok. Tens of millions of people have watched the viral moment of, of Kepka making the hole-in-one on the par 3 12th hole that they're now trying to replicate like the uh, the the big stadium hole at the Waste Management Open in Phoenix, that it's just become such a party hole. It is known for the rowdy behavior, the fans going crazy while players are hitting shots, and they they desperately want that hole in one. And numerous players have made hole in ones going all the way back to Tiger Woods in the late nineties, but others as well. But in any event, uh, Chase Kepka makes that hole in one, and you got fans throwing cups with beverages, empty water bottles, the debris. It is the moment that Live Golf uh, really wants to hone in on and have that one become a centerpiece of their promotion. Again, it's the middle of the night in Australia. I realize no one's watching the coverage on the CW network. They're trying to progress from that. Maybe it will get a little better when the golf tournaments come back to the United States in May. They're playing, by the way, this week in Singapore. Same thing, late night Friday, late night Saturday to finish up the golf coverage on the weekend. It's not, it's not going to be watched in the United States, per se, on the CW network. Nobody can find the channels. But good for them if they get some viral moments like that moment that's kind of captured things. And again, when you've got somebody like a Dustin Johnson winning the tournament or somebody like a Brooks Kepko who won the Orlando tournament or Phil Mickelson out there making birdies, making plays. Bubba Watson actually was playing uh, well last week. But um uh, and these guys, I mean, again, it's ridiculous money. Taylor Gooch, who ends up winning in Australia, making over $4 million for the win. You've got the team competition where the team ends up sharing $3 million. So even if you're out of it as a individual player, you can stay in it for the team and the team concept to make money. All I'm saying to you is Live Golf has some exciting things that are coming about it. Uh, and I realize the PGA Tour is trying to smear it at every turn and trying to keep the players from not only playing on their tour, but playing in the major championships, that didn't work. I just still, I'm a fan of golf. I'm a fan, I'm a fan of exciting things. I was watching some of the LPGA uh, finish in their Chevron championship. Uh, what's the former Dinah Shore championship out in Southern California? 
Uh, I love watching. I'll watch the Champions Tour golf. I watch a lot of the golf. Uh, and the Live Golf, again, has got some big names. Cam Smith, who won the British Open, the Open Championship last year. Masters champions, even recent ones, like the likes of Patrick Reed and Sergio Garcia that have won this event recently, plus Phil, plus Dustin Johnson that's won this event recently at the Masters. They've got major champions. They've got big names. So I'm, I'm interested in the golf there as well. All right, there you go. There's a full show. Much still to get to with the NBA playoffs or the Stanley Cup playoffs to unfold. NFL draft this week. Again, thanks to Charles Davis for being here on the Last Word on Sports Media podcast. Thanks also to Danielle McCartan of WFAN in New York. I'm merely TJ Reeves. Again, follow or subscribe to this podcast feed, the Last Word on Sports Media podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You also get George Offman's Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. He's in the best of mode right now for this week. Uh, and Mike Gill and Phil demont Mollen again with the Announcer Schedules podcast on who's doing it well in the broadcast booth, host and analyst, TV, radio on the national level. Check out Mike and Phil coming later in the week with announcer schedules. For now, we're good. Find out more at lastwordonsports.com slash podcast. I'm merely TJ Reeves. We're back again next week with another edition here of the Last Word on Sports Media Podcast. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.